the issues we were facing, obviously we weren't alone in that. This is Joe Pratt, Volcano Women's Circus General Manager. Even though we'd lost that core funding around 2012, we were still getting project funding. In 2012, Volcano lost all state and federal government funding. These cuts predate the 2015-2016 federal arts funding cuts. At a state level, that was quite an intense period. As the cuts seemed to filter down that project funding, just generally across the whole sector, the buckets were shrinking. All of a sudden, people who had been previously sitting on a nice core funding model were competing with you for project funds. When we, as a sector, had the change from the Bly government to Newman government. This is Norm Horton, co-executive director with Sarah Moynihan of Feral Arts a Brisbane-based cultural arts and development company that has been doing national arts sector campaigns and communication strategy work for the last 20 years. There were major cuts to the arts and cultural sector, as there were austerity cuts across the board in government. The scope of those cuts, 12.4 million over four years, was significant for a small industry. The problem really was the way that they were implemented because effectively that was 1.3% of the total spend of the Queensland Government on Arts and Culture. And if that was distributed equitably, there would have been a very small impact on everyone. But the way it was implemented was to cut small to medium companies and independent artists by 37%. And it was a huge impact on the sector. The situation was there before the Campbell-Newman government came into play. What you saw was some really mindless economics applied to state government services. It wasn't a thoughtful culling of things that might have warranted change. There's change all the time. This was a very arbitrary application. For instance, in the community services sector, community organisations that had a turnover of less than $500,000 were all defunded. So that sort of arbitrary application of economic strategy really made a huge impact. And when that got applied to the arts sector, it meant that there was a massive impact on small to medium companies. That philosophy flies in the face of so much of the rhetoric of innovation where they're wanting to go out of their way to invest in small business. Arts organisations are small businesses. <laughs> the reality is I don't think it's changed since the Anastasia Palaszczuk government has come into power either. What's happened is the bucket has shrunk, people have become a lot more vocal and we've lost a lot of arts organisations. I don't even know what the numbers are but there's quite a lot of organisations that aren't here anymore. The change to the Palaszczuk government has seen some repair work and some restoration, but the work's been slow. There's been no really strong initiatives to re-establish the, even the benchmarks and investment in small to medium sector. So there's still a lot of work to do to get us back to even the point, the humble point we were when this started. The climate that created the funding cuts to the arts, it also created funding cuts to a whole lot of other sectors, of which Volcana has been dependent on partnering with. Working cross-sectorally as we do is that those organisations were being told to look at arts funding. So we're getting told from our department to look at community funding or health funding and those agencies that we would normally partner with, we're also being told, well, you know, partner with the arts. 
at the same time, major organisations that did retain substantial amounts of funding were being pushed into those areas that we'd currently worked in. So the big organisations are suddenly trying to work out how to do community engagement or work with youth. There was a kind of double whammy. Organisations are losing funding. They're being told to look over here for funding. Meanwhile, those that are being funded are being asked to do our jobs without actually talking to us. I don't know where that's quite settled yet. We were one of the companies who lost our funding when the Newman government came in. We tried to get support from a wide range of industry groups to look at this inequity between how the cuts were being applied across the industry and to look at a model of arts industry investment that's based on a broader ecology of sustaining independent practitioners and small to medium companies and, and a whole range of other practice. But there was very little solidarity or support from the companies who continued to get funding. With the major companies, there was definitely a move into expanding their footprint into that space that had traditionally been the foray of the small to medium organisation. People were unprepared for the scope of the cuts to government services across the board and so there was a, a massive amount of work that the whole community needed to do to respond to that and they did. When we found out that we'd lost our funding and we had that moment on the pinhead going, oh, is this the point that we close the doors? And then the immediate community around us went the big cry of no. They actually started instant fundraising. I mean, it was really grassroots. It was extraordinary the number of people that stepped up we started a campaign called 1,000 Women Strong. We tried to raise $50,000. We identified that figure as something that if we could raise that amount of money, we would stay alive till we worked out what we needed to do. We also realised we needed to be really visible and not drift from sight. That was the beginning of a series of what were called ladies' lounge cabarets that were fundraisers. A lot of us worked a lot of hours, a lot of hours for very, very little amount of money. But then there were a lot of people who were doing a lot of work for nothing. They were a way of bringing the community together, showcasing the work that Volcana makes, showcasing partner organisations and the work that they do, celebrating the arts and having a good time. They were party events. We asked people to donate money, we would have a bar, we'd have raffles and ridiculousness. They were hugely popular and we've continued to have those three produced creative events that highlight circus arts. From there we managed to buy ourselves some time. The time was critical to give a point where we could teeter along, but there had to be some serious look about what we do to move forward to be sustainable. There was a crisis meeting that had to identify what would we lose? Would we lose the artistic program or would we lose the community engagement? We lost one critical position in the organisation at that time, the community engagement coordinator something that Volcana's always done, which is sponsored people who can't afford to come to classes. This is now a structured program to deliver that. The thing that drifted to the surface of that very difficult conversation was that community engagement needs an artistic frame around it. The whole organisation needs an artistic frame around it to remain a viable arts organisation and not become a deliverer of workshops and become a circus school. 
the core workshop program obviously is the bread and butter of the organisation, but probably at that point had to be reassessed in terms of the pricing model and the way it was being delivered to be more efficient and to reap a bigger return. And to also look at not just having 30 places for, you know, sponsored places, you know, we we couldn't do things that cost money anymore. It just wasn't a possibility. It was a very, very sad moment and we are still working our way back to how we deliver all of that again. How do we deliver the breadth of programs that we used to deliver? That set Volcano on the path to looking at transitioning really firmly from being a funded organisation to a social enterprise model. We're still in a transition. We've moved to a model that we can survive well doing what we're doing with no government funding. We have created a foundation now that allows us to choose what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it, with whom we want to do it, without being beholden to whatever's the flavour of the month, which is a really wonderful thing. We're not at the mercy of changes in political parties or changes in priorities for government departments. We truly can forge our own path forward and look at what's important to the organisation and take those core values that we've had for the last 21 years and go, these are the things that are still really important to us and it actually doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Next, we'll look at the federal funding cuts and their impact on the Queensland and Australian art sectors, including Volcana. The funding environment for the Capital A Arts is low and declining in Queensland and in the federal sphere. This is Ben Eltham, a national arts journalist who has covered the arts sector extensively over the past decade. He's written for Crikey, New Matilda and The Guardian. He also blogs about cultural policy and is the author of When the Goalposts Move, an overview of the Excellence Raid and the Black Friday arts sector funding cuts. It's quite an interesting continuity, if you like. Federally, we've seen more than $300 million cut from the federal arts portfolio since 2013. In September 2013, the LNP coalition wins the federal election and George Brandis becomes Arts Minister. So quite a significant amount of funding cut from various institutions and funding bodies. In May 2015, Brandis moves half the Australia Council's budget into a newly formed National Programme for Excellence in the Arts, NPEA. Unappealing acronyms aside, this is dubbed the Excellence Raid by the sector. Funding has been cut, but it's been targeted at a particular part of the arts sector. So those funding cuts have fallen disproportionately on smaller arts companies and independent artists. So if I just talk federally... This is Joe again, Volcana's general manager. We had a moment of great delight and and enthusiasm and joy in the sector when Simon Crean spent all that time listening to the sector, envisioning and dreaming for the future. Back in 2013, Simon Crean, as Federal Arts Minister, announces Creative Australia. This is our first cultural policy since 1994, when Paul Keating was still Prime Minister. That was really exciting and it came with money. Sorry, you can't see my face on radio, but you know, wide (laughs) eyes, shock, oh my gosh. For a very, very brief moment, that was really exciting. (laughs) For a very brief moment. And then of course we changed government and the lights dimmed (laughs) (laughs) yet again when the 
then Liberal Arts Minister George Brandis in 2015 moved to cut significant amounts of funding out of the Australia Council. The major cultural institutions and the major performing arts organisations were protected from the funding cuts and all of the funding pain fell on the small to medium sector and particularly grant pools for individual artists. We had a federal arts minister who then thought they knew better than the sector how the sector should look and took a big chunk of money. The excellence rate in 2015 really did mark a trigger point where the sector did start to come together and stand up. There's a broader issue that was at play immediately under the changes that Brandis made that were about the change to how decisions were being made and the loss of independence from government in that decision-making process. You saw people responding to a principle that's been long bipartisan in the Australian community through the Australia Council to have an arm's-length policy-making and decision-making body. What George Brandis did completely flew in the face of that history. Those cuts were, again, very similar in philosophy and structure to the austerity cuts that the Newman government did. It then started to mean something to everyone in the industry, not just the ones who are directly affected by the cuts. On Friday, May 13, 2016, the Australia Council announces huge cuts. While somewhat understandable given the excellence raid of 2015, it hurts many and is dubbed Black Friday by the sector. Some 65 organisations are defunded and over 100 applicants are unsuccessful. I remember very clearly the moment that the Black Friday decisions were announced and we understood what was happening. This is Volcana CEO Celia again. And it was surprising how we were like, oh, we're ahead of everybody. Everybody's going through this appalling moment that we've come out the other side of. How can we support them through that process? But actually, this doesn't impact us. So at that point, we participated in online discussions. We participated in meetings how we would support organisations that were struggling, how we might negotiate to, I don't know, share resources or whatever we were doing. We were involved in the conversation about lobbying for a reversal of that kind of decision. The arts industry didn't have an existing lobbying infrastructure. They didn't really have a proper industry spokesperson or an industry body. There were small groups that represented various independent sectors, but no real strong national lobbying voice. There really was no one standing up for and speaking for the integrity of the Australia Council. And that was shocking, I think, very, very shocking to many working artists. Not only were many arts institutions not prepared to sort of speak out against the funding cuts, but even the board of the Australia Council itself were also not willing to make any public statements about it. In the wake of the Brandis cuts, it was the spontaneous generation of this grassroots protest campaign organised out of the small to medium arts companies, particularly from Brisbane. Feral Arts took the lead in campaigning to try and return the money to the Australia Council and to reverse this decision. The campaigns were partly effective. When George Brandis was removed as Arts Minister in Malcolm Turnbull's first cabinet, the arts portfolio was given to Mitch Fifield. And Mitch Fifield then announced that he would be returning some of the money that was taken from the Australia Council. Turnbull's new Arts Minister, Mitch Fifield, rebranded the NPEA Catalyst and returned some of the money taken in the Excellence Raid. Black Friday could have been worse. It amounts to actually a very real victory. Tens of millions of dollars were given back to the Australia Council as a direct result of this grassroots campaign. There was a resilience in Volcana. This is Joe again. Because it had experienced it earlier. 
We'd already done a whole lot of stuff. This is Celia. For the organisation to work out how we keep the doors open. But we weren't in a position right then to be able to put a hand up. We were tentatively going, we just want to let everybody know that we're actually still here. So just don't panic yet. Don't panic yet. But we weren't in a strong enough position to stand up and go, we're a success. Here's the model. We'd like to be able to do that, but we weren't actually able to at that point. So it was a little kind of half raising of the hand going, eh, 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 hem. We'd just like to say, <laughs> it's possible. You can survive. You're listening to No Trickery, No Retakes, No Stand-Ins, a radio documentary about Volcana Women's Circus. Next, we'll look at Volcana Women's Circus as a social enterprise, the workshops, programs and events Volcana runs, how the organisation has changed in the past few years, and where to from here for Volcana, and in some ways for all of us, in this new era of Australian arts sector funding. (laughs) 